guys out there think it's okay to just walk up to a guy who works out and then start touching their arms and all that. Uh, I mean, technically, if you look at the law, it is molest. You, you don't just walk up to someone and touch them. It's molest. Uh. Welcome to our Modern World Podcast where we have absolutely amazing guests who will share on topics like fitness, wealth, making money, all these things. Right? And again, our goal is to empower, enrich and evolve your lives. Today, we have a very, very special guest. He's a dear friend of mine. He goes by many names. He's two-time Mr. Singapore. He is called Destroyer Dharma and is a very, very close friend of mine. Uh, you know, and he's also my personal trainer as well. His name is Danny Dharma. Let's invite Danny Dharma to the show. Hello. What's up, man? So Danny is uh, <laughs> yes, yes, no problems at all, man. So Danny is a uh, you know a really, really close friend of mine, and uh, you know we uh, I've known him for many years. He is uh, one of my idols and one of my inspirations when it comes to bodybuilding, when it comes to lifting weights. When I was a very young boy, um, back when I was 16 years old. So Danny, tell us a little bit more about yourself. You know, you know, what do you currently you know, and how you actually started this entire journey, man? Okay, guys, uh, my name is Danny Dharma. I'm uh, 37 years old. So uh, I'm most known for being a, a competitive bodybuilder in Singapore. Uh, so I've uh, won the Mr. Singapore title two times and uh, won a few regional shows as well. Uh, other than that, I'm also a professional wrestler. Okay, I, I wrestle mostly as a hobby, but uh, you know maybe I do a match every once every two months. Um, other than that, I'm also a trained movie stuntman. And uh, you might have seen me make some small appearances here and there on, on some drama, some shows. You know, it's like a some bad guy or something. Uh, most notably will be uh, my role in Netflix, uh, the Mr. Midnight series as the Ogre. Um, yeah, so that, in a nutshell, that's pretty much what I do. Awesome, fantastic. Dude, thank you so much for sharing, man. That's a pretty impressive resume, bro. Right, bodybuilding. But tell us, you also, uh, you know, you're also in the Navy as well, bro. How many years were you in the Navy and everything? Oh yes, I spent uh, 10 years in the Navy. Wow. Uh, from the time I was 19 years old to uh, 29. Wow. 1929, you were in the Navy. And in the Navy, uh, on the ships and everything, you were also training, bodybuilding and, you know, uh, dieting. How, how did that work out, man? 20, 10 years. <laughs> yes, yes. I was actively uh, competing uh, while I was still in the Navy. Wow. But here's the thing. The first half of my career, I was on board a ship. So at that point of time, uh, I didn't do so well in competitions. I, I still did try, but I didn't do so well. Uh, subsequently, I went to a shore unit. That's when I started to do even better. Wow, wow, wow. So, first few years, like, you couldn't train properly, you couldn't get in your meals properly and everything. Uh, yes, right. I mean, it, it would have been a challenge either way. Even the shore unit was a challenge. Mm. Because, uh, in my shore unit, I was doing like uh, overnight shifts like three times a week. Mm -hmm. And my working hours were a, a lot, many hours longer than a regular 8 to 5 person. Wow. Yeah. So, at that point of time, I mean, I was usually sleep deprived, but I just tried to make it work. Dude, you know, that's one thing that I really admire about you, bro. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you have clients the whole day or whatever, there is no excuse. Huh? Like literally, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll see him banging out workouts at 12 midnight, right? Sure. 1 a.m. Oh, I just got back, you know, I just got to get him my workout at 12 a.m. Like, dude, most people will just sleep, man. I do, I'm just too tired, right? Like, what makes you have that discipline, that drive to get it in, bro? Okay, because I'm, of course, motivated to, to turn pro as a bodybuilder someday. So to me, the way I see it is like every time I clock in a workout, I'm getting one step closer to that dream. Wow. So you have a vision that you want to work towards mm. and you know that every day, the effort that you put in every day is going to put you one step closer to that vision of becoming a pro bodybuilder. Wow, incredible, bro. So that's the reason why you don't skip. Even if it's 12 midnight, I get it in. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there are times I woke up till like 3, 4 a.m. Then wow. wake up the next day at 7 a.m. Are you serious? Uh, I mean, of course, uh, being sleep deprived is not a good thing. Yeah, you gotta get asleep as well, bro. You try to get power naps and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I just find it hard not to not to not do, to not do the work. I just wow. can't live it myself. Oh, dude, I love it, bro. Can I ask you if this is your mindset, right? You know that, hey man, you know the other guys who are training, other guys who are pushing the, putting the work, other guys who are putting in the hours, for example. You know that shit. I need to do that same thing as well. I need to put in the, put clock in the workouts to make sure that you know nobody's gonna outwork me. Is that your mindset, your mentality? I mean, I I never train with that in mind. Okay. But over time, I realized that I'm actually outworking my competition, and mm. that, that's how I've been winning. Mm. Because I, I look at the way I train and the way some of my competitors are training. I, you know, I'm not taking anything away from them. They are also training very hard. They are also uh, dieting all year around. A lot of the guys, especially the ones of my age, they are, they are all doing all that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like uh, I feel like I just have something a little bit more extra in my training program. Mm. Because I'm not just doing bodybuilding. I'm doing like all this cardio, HIT and all that stuff. So I'm keeping my body very, very optimal. So that's why I'm able to train harder. Wow, incredible, bro. So it's really as in you truly know that you're outworking in competition in one way or another, right? Like again, you are very active in your cardio, you're a wrestler as well, you need to be mobile, you're stretching work, everything, it all adds together. Your cardiovascular health is there as well. You know, you're training, you're putting in the work, lifting heavy weights, but at the same time running, doing sprints, you know, uh, and all that stuff is incredible, bro. Who are your first inspirations in the local scene, man? Who do you like, aspire aspire to be like? Or you know, who are your inspirations at that point of time? Who was like, was it Simon was it Kevin Chia? Okay, interestingly, right, in the local scene, uh. it, wasn't, it wasn't the big guys. It uh. wasn't those who were competing. It uh. was actually my two of my school seniors. Mm. So uh, they were the ones who were competing for ID at that point of time. Uh, and, and they were the best. Uh, and in, in those days, right, uh, Team IT was winning all the tertiary shows. Mm. And they were the two top guys. Interesting. Yeah, so oh. they were the ones who taught me how to die, how to pose, wow. and, and what needed to be done. What were the names, bro? Their names were Sofian and Xiao Kun. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting. Dude, so, you see, uh, mm. decades have gone by, mm. right? I think you're the only one standing, bro. <laughs> right? Like, consistency over decade after decade. Talking about 2004. Dude, now it's, you know, almost 2024, right? 2023, 2024. It's crazy, man. So many years of dedicated focus. Like, how do you maintain that consistency, that discipline to maintain the diet for so many years? Right, the exercise you're lifting day in, day out, every day, three hours. Like, tell me, man, how do you do that, bro? I think the fundamentals actually apply to everything. Uh, the the when at the start of anything, right? Uh, you're you're trying to force yourself to do something that is discipline. But once you pass a certain point, right, it just becomes habit. Mm. Uh, and then I think you know you know what it is as well. Mm. Training is uh is very fun and addictive, and you mm. get all these endorphins after you train. So. At some point, it's not a problem uh, going to train. That will be something that draws you. Mm. So the nutrition part is where uh, you need a bit more effort to stay on track. So you're saying that after discipline comes habit, mm. right? After you, after you, initially it's the discipline to go to the gym, to run, do whatever it is, to eat food. But yeah. after a while, it becomes just a normal thing for you. It's habits, right? Yeah. So it's essentially that the thing which forms the good habits that just carries on all the way through, right? So it's almost like brushing your teeth in the morning. Like, dude, I don't have to be disciplined to do that. I have to do that anyways, right? So to you, it's like going to the gym, eating clean, eating good food and everything, making sure you do it. It's, it's, it's part of your day routine. Yeah, actually, I would say... Uh, that, that's for most people. Okay. For me, the moment I started working out, right, I just fell in love with the process. Mm. So it, it was never, it never came to a point where I need to drag myself to the gym. Mm. Like, I'll just, just go. Mm. It's like Great the book. thing that I, I look forward to all the yeah. time. Yeah. 
Look, tell me right now, bro. Mm. Right. So you know, uh, right now you're sitting at how many kilograms? Like what? About what? Nine. 89. 89 kilograms or 90 kilograms. You know, what is the day in the life of Danny? Like, how much food do you consume? How much do you train and everything? Can you tell us? Okay, so, food-wise, uh, I normally prepare my meals uh, either the night before or the day. Yeah. So, I actually calculate, like, okay, how much carbs am I going to have for the day? How much protein? Then, according to that, I pack my meals. Okay. Uh, so, number of meals, actually, is not fixed because the amount of food that I bring, I try to finish it over a day. Okay. Yeah, so, so, currently, what does it look like? How many calories are you consuming currently, like, you know? For you to maintain your physique, So, protein definitely is, I'm going to need like 250 grams protein. Okay. Uh, carbs are 300 plus to 400 because my work rate wow. is very high. Wow. Because uh, over the years, right, my my philosophy of training, physical training evolved. At some point, I just wanted to be like the best bodybuilder. But oh. over time, I realized that uh, fitness has to be more holistic. Okay. So, now I'm actually spending time doing cardio, mm. stuff like sprinting. Yeah. And, you know, I also join wrestling. So, I yes. need to spend some time on that, on agility and movement. Yes, yes, so, yes. My training volume is easily three to four hours a day. Wow. Three so, to four hours a day, bro. On most days, like, there has wow. to be rest days. Wow. Uh, but the higher your training volume, the more carbs you're going to need. Wow. How would it? So you consume about three to four hundred calories, uh, three to four hundred grams of carbohydrates as well. Total okay. calorie intake, bro. Like, you know, how much would that be roughly? About four thousand? Four thousand ish, yeah. About four thousand ish every day. That's a lot of food to consume as well, man. Crazy, right? More than twice a, on a normal person. Wow, wow, wow. I think about it, one example I can give you is uh, Michael Phelps, the swimmer. Mm. His training volume is eight hours a day. Mm. He burns through twelve thousand calories a day. Mm. So he got to like eat junk food just to break even. Yeah, exactly. Like ten thousand calories. I I read the news and whatever, man. Crazy amounts of food you have to consume. Wow. So four thousand calories and how long have you been doing this for, man? Like, you know, really properly maintaining, like all the way through? Because the thing about bodybuilding, right, is there is really no way to do it without being on some kind of bodybuilding diet. Yep. So, of course, the initial years, I was much more focusing on hitting my protein intake every day. Mm. But over the real years, as I turned competitive, I realized that there is really no way to hit your macros mm. uh, unless you really prep your meals yourself or you buy a meal prep service. Mm. So, probably seems like, okay, because I compete every year. So, definitely every year, I spend several months being on a very strict diet mm. for the competitions. But outside the competitions, usually I, the earlier years, I, do, I don't completely go off my diet. Mm. I, I have some clean meals, then I just make sure I hit my protein. Mm. But like pre-2015 onwards, right, I felt like if I really wanted to move forward as a competitor and improve, I need mm. to be on a diet all, day, all year long, mm. all year round. So around that time, that's like... 2014, 2015. You know, I love what you said to me that day. You never, you never have to get ready if you stay ready. <laughs> you never have to get ready if you stay ready. It's always ready, man. I'm telling you, anytime. Right? Amazing. Danny, um, we talked about your diet. What about your training? What does your split look like? How many days a week do you train? What is your split generally, if you can share? Yeah, there are many, many kind of splits and they all work. But I, I felt like my, my split actually was heavily influenced from my days in the Navy. Because back then, I had very, very limited time to train. Mm. Maybe... Oh, you were a naval officer as well? Yeah, I was okay. in the Navy for 10 years, wow. actually. Okay. I was actually competing at that time. Wow, wow. Yeah, I remember the, when we met in 2015, yes. I was still in the Navy. Wow. So, because my work hours were so long, yep. I only had three days a week to train. Yep. So, I had to make all those days count. So, the, I used a push-pull-leg split. Okay. Uh, so, uh, has, you know, when I left the Navy, I had more time to train. I just continued that split. But okay. Uh, I just added on to it. So, like, from a one and a half hour workout, when, uh, previously, it slowly evolved to become a three hour workout. Wow. Because I, the better I got, I needed to do more sets, more reps. So, so it just took more time. Wow. 
dude, three hours, people, you talk about volume, you're really putting the volume up, bro. So what? So you do a push-pull, legs push-pull kind of thing, five days a week or just okay, three days? Now my current split is actually uh, four days. I have a push, a pull, and then I have a quad dominated leg day and a hamstring dominated leg day. Wow. So two different kinds of leg, two, two leg days and a yeah. push and pull. Yeah. Wow. Wow, no wonder I always see you doing squats like, you know, on Instagram, you know. So it's it's two legs days and two, and the other three days is rest. Yeah, because you, you see the quads are such big muscles, the mm. hamstring, the glutes, they're all big muscles. They need volume individually. Mm. If you do it all in one day, uh, you are going to burn out very early into your workout. Then mm. you're not going to push the the muscles that you train towards the end. Mm. So I just split it so that I can just max out. Hands quite so windy, makes our hamstrings so windy. Wow! So that's how you that's how you train, huh? So what are your aspirations now, brother? Right, you conquered Singapore, right? What is the the big goal for you moving forward? For the longest time, yeah. I wanted to turn pro. Okay. In the IFBB, like not not like those WFF. Sure. I wanted to turn pro in the IFBB, uh, and I I think I'm very close now because I have uh, beat guys who eventually turn pro. Mm. Uh, like more than once. Wow. So, so the goal is to be IMB I believe I'm around that level already. I okay. just need to find the right show yeah. and, and go in at my best condition. Dude, do you ever have dreams of Las Vegas, Mr. Olympia? I don't know, man. Was that ever, uh, you know, like, if you could dream dreams, what would you be? Yeah, that, that's the long-term dream. Yeah. One day I can step on the Olympia stage. Wow. I don't have to win it, just, just make it there. That, yeah. That's like already a, a lifetime achievement. Exactly, man. That would be such a beautiful dream come true. Huh? Yeah, man, you know, I grew up watching Mr. Olympia and my father, right? He gave me the Arnold magazines as well. I grew up watching Pumping Iron, right? Like, it was everything to me, man. It was crazy. So, uh, dude, so, so amazing to see that. But I really believe you have so much potential to get to the highest levels, man, for sure, 100%. Right? But yeah, man, volleyball is an expensive sport as well, no doubt. Right? Actually, I wouldn't say that. No? I feel like uh, people are taking the wrong approach okay. to bodybuilding. And then they think it's very expensive. Because, you see, I, I break my own meals. Okay. So, the amount of, you know, I'm on a high carry diet, yep, think yep. twice or thrice as much as a normal person. Yep. But in total, right, my meals count to 7 to $10 a day. Oh, okay. Because I private myself. Wow. Whereas, if you eat outside, one meal costs you 5 to $6. Even right now, it's $7, $10 for, yeah. for the whole day. Yeah, I mean, you know, you buy brown rice. Okay. It doesn't, it's not very expensive and it lasts you a long time. Okay. You know, I buy like chicken breast and all that. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's just that I prepping myself, that's why. If, yeah, yeah. if you buy a meal prep service, then mm. and like one meal is going to cost a lot more. Yeah, $7 easily, yeah. right? $7, $8 a meal or whatever, not, right? Incredible. Dude, so I want to ask you a few other questions, bro. So, uh, you know, uh, very, okay, I don't know whether it's recently, right? But, uh, you know, you are uh, also known as Destroyer Dharma, right? right? There's something that, uh, you know, I, I, I've watched you live in person. You're incredibly entertaining. Are you currently the champion? Uh, no, no, you lost yeah, the belt already, dude. Yeah. <laughs> right, so it's once the you know a champion in uh, you know in wrestling as well. Tell us about that, man. How did that start for you? Okay, so uh, year twenty sixteen, I just left the navy. So you know, I had some free time, I had savings, and I didn't have to work a full time job yet. I wanted to just uh, train for the Mister Singapore, which was in uh, I think August or yeah something like that, and I left the navy in March. So I was thinking, okay, now I got all this time, I want to take up a second sport. So I was I was thinking between boxing, uh, MMA and wrestling. And then I was thinking, why not wrestling? I've been watching it all my life. And even as an adult, I was always very intrigued by it. I was, I was the guy who was like buying all the DVDs and all that. So I was like, okay, let's give it a shot. So I know I, I was, I just joined just to learn some basics and become more agile. That's all. Just improve my athletic ability. Mm. But then I, when I attended, I realized that I really loved it. And, and trust me, it's painful. 
especially you start learning how to take falls and stuff, mm-hmm. it hurts. The first time I tried, the first time I tried it, it hurt for like three weeks. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It requires agility, mobility. It's not static. It's you know, it's dynamic. It's crazy, man. Right? And I've, I've felt the mat. The mat is hard as shit. Ah, yes, yes. A lot of people hard. think the mat is very soft. Actually, it's, uh, it's, it's not as soft as a trampoline. It's made of steel beams with plywood. Huh. Then there's a layer of styrofoam just yep. for aesthetic purpose so that you don't see the plywood. Yep. Then there's a canvas. Crazy, man. Uh, so if you land on your on your feet or something, mm-hmm. you might break your just break your ankle so that was another dream come true for you huh oh yeah yeah i mean that was that was a dream within a dream okay like like subconsciously i always watch wrestling because i actually inspired to become a bodybuilder partially because of wrestling okay because of the rock actually triple h triple h triple h wow triple so, h. Like, you know during the days secondary school i'm being yeah. bullied then also one day i just watched wrestling then i saw triple h cover then i was like wow if I look like him, all my problems will end. <laughs> that, that was part of why I started training. Yeah. So, like, I, I was actually watching a lot of wrestling as my inspiration rather than bodybuilding at that point of time. Wow. But to see those muscular dudes doing their, you know, their five-star frog splashes, rock bottoms, pedigrees and everything. Wow, dude. Yeah, but you see, because I was being bullied, right? I was usually watching all those big, strong guys doing all the big slams, all the high-impact moves. Mm. So that was the thing that intrigued me. I was thinking that, you know, if I... If I become like this, then then I'm going to be the one so overpowering all my bullies when they come. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Amazing, bro. Amazing. You know, dude, guys, you know, if you ever have a chance to go and watch Danny, I think you're competing uh, three times more this year, right? Yeah, three more, three more shows this year. If you ever have a chance to go and watch it, uh, please do. Please go and sign up and watch these shows because it's incredibly entertaining, man. I had the time of my life, bro. Was it Tupayo or was it... Uh, yeah, we used to have a show in Tupayo. In Tupayo, dude. I, I enjoyed it so much. It was like, wow, oh, dude. It was packed out, full full house and everything. And dude, I, I loved it, man. And Danny's show was amazing. Right? So anyways, bro, so let's, let's come back to, you know, the everyday man who's watching here, mm-hmm. right? So they look at you, Mr. Singapore, wow, you're big and whatever not. Mm. But, you know, I've never trained before. I don't know how to start. Like, what is the, you know, what would you recommend for people to get started on a healthy lifestyle? Like, what should they start doing uh, per se? Okay, I think the first thing is people need to identify their goals first. Mm. So they must figure out, okay, what do you want to do? You don't want to, do you want to build muscle or do you want to lose body fat? Or... So once you identify your goal, you must make sure that the training program you are following is very specific to your goal. Mm. That means like, Let's say uh, there's a guy, he wants to lose body fat, he's overweight. He shouldn't be doing like a bodybuilding program. I mean, it will help, but he should be. He should make sure that his program has elements of fat loss, more elements of fat loss than other things. For example? Yeah, let's say uh, that person is going to have to spend a lot of time doing like steady state cardio. Okay. At uh, 60 to 70% of their maximal heart rate, which is uh, the most ideal for people to burn body fat and okay. it's not too intense. Okay. Can you explain to people what steady state cardio means? Steady state cardio means you bring your heart rate up to a certain uh, level and you maintain it. Okay. So steady state cardio can be like treadmill. Okay. Walking on a treadmill, incline treadmill walk or sitting on the stationary bike. Because if you see especially obese people, they are going to have issues, mobility issues, doing things like long distance running mm. or skipping because their body weight is going to be restrictive. They are, their body weight is going to make those exercises anaerobic. Mm. So their heart rate is going to go too high, mm. too fast. So they're mm. not going to go into the fat burning zone. Mm. So for people like that, they should spend time doing things that are more practical. If they sit on a bike, they can still do one hour at mm. uh, 60% of their maximum heart rate. Mm. still possible. Mm. So you see, that, that's a very specific, goal-specific training. So if this guy just tries to run, he's not going to see that much of result. There, mm. there will be some results, but it's going to be like a long cut. Mm. So whereas if he sits on a bike, every day he's burning one hour of body fat, 
that's going to add up over time. Mm. And it's practical. You can do it like a few days in a row. If you go for a run, you might be burnt out. Your legs might be sore. The next few days, you might be able to exercise. So, mm. Incredible. So, okay, that's, that's for a person who's maybe uh, a little bit overweight. What about a person who is maybe uh, skinny? Like, dude, I am so skinny. I'm 50 kilograms. I really want to build some muscle. Then I eat so much. I'm not getting any weight. How? Yeah, so again, they have to come up with a very uh, goal-specific training. Mm. So the, the problem I see, right, is that in, in the gym, most people are not training hard enough. Mm. Because uh, muscle building, right, you've you got to give your body a workload that is hard enough to the point where your body is forced to adapt to it. Because see, muscle building is an adaptation to workload. Mm. It means like, I lift a certain amount of weight, then my brain gets triggered saying that, okay, the amount of muscle I have is not enough. I need more muscle mass to handle this workload. Mm. So people need to be training towards their threshold. Mm. So I see most guys just going to the gym, they, they get some plan online, then they're like, okay, uh, four sets of 10. Then they just do four sets of 10. Mm. Whereas they might be able to do 20 reps with whatever weight they're using. Mm. But they stop at 10 because the program says 10. Mm. So I'll say uh, one of the things is... Uh, don't limit your reps. Lose more weight if needed. But of course, always get the form right first. Mm. So that's why it's a really good thing that uh, if, if you're not too sure, if you can't find the proper YouTube videos to learn how to do this, right? Just get a trainer. Mm. Even if you do like three or four sessions, that, that will be enough to learn all the basics. Mm. And from there, you're good for life. So really pushing yourself to the limits, like properly training hard, mm. not just 10 reps for the sake of 10 reps. Lah, bro. Mm. Right? Uh, uh, very, very important. Okay, then what about food-wise, right? Like you hear so many times, you know, these skinny guys telling, bro, I eat so much, bro, I cannot put on weight. Do you think it's this excuse? Like, you know, you've been through that, right? Or, or is, it, is it true? Okay, it, it's very interesting. Because, like, you can force-feed the wrong food and then nothing's going to happen for you. Like, uh, for example, okay, one of the problems, right, a lot of skinny guys, what they do is they try to force-feed themselves. Uh, so, you know, they're eating a lot of carbs. But their body, they don't gain uh, body fat because they're thinking they want to gain body fat and look bigger. But their bodies are not so efficient in storing body fat because, you know, their, their body type is ectomorph. So all their food is just going to go to waste. So what they should do instead, they should be on a bodybuilding program, trigger the muscle building process, and then their diet should be high enough in protein. Mm. See, if they're consuming enough protein and they're on a bodybuilding program, the muscles will grow. So it's a win-win for them because they can't gain so much body fat anyway. Mm, interesting. So they're going to lean muscle. Get so to really do the bodybuilding process to trigger your, you know, your, your body to want to gain more muscle and to have enough protein to support that entire function, huh? Yeah. And, and I can tell you, it, it's easy to eat, uh, you know, me going four or five times a day. It yeah. takes tasty, but eating chicken breast and fish and, and meats, uh, force feeding the required amount, that's not easy. Yeah. That, that's a work on its own. Oh, definitely, definitely, man. For sure. To somebody watching out there who's like, I want to be a champion. Hmm. In whatever field they choose to be in, man. Maybe it's their careers. Maybe it's in bodybuilding. Maybe it's in their sport. They want to be the champion. They want to be number one. Hmm. What would you tell them? What would you advise them? I'd say that uh, if, they are, if they're pursuing something they're passionate about, say not the way, they'll, they'll definitely make it. Because uh, if you see everyone who's pursuing something they're passionate about, they're the ones who wants to go very, very far. Uh, whatever it is, maybe martial arts or something. The, the guys are making money in any given field. They are, they are there making money because they were passionate about it. So just keep trying, don't give up. Believe in yourself. Uh, if you respect yourself, you would, want, you would want to go out there and get the best things for yourself possible because no one else is going to do it for you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed our podcast so far with Danny Dharma. Make sure you smash the like and the subscribe button to our podcast, you know, for more amazing content like this. Smash it like you smash your weights, guys. Let's go.
2016, eventually I, I left the Navy in uh, 2000, uh, 2016, yeah. I left uh, sometime around March. Then I felt like, okay, you know, this year I'm going to try win a Mr. Singapore title. So I had savings, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll not find a job yet. I'll use this spare time to just focus on winning that title. Then uh, at the same time, I also took up wrestling at that point of time. Because mm. like, all this spare time, you know, all, all the years I was in Navy, I had no time to do anything. Mm. I could only just do my, my bodybuilding and that's it. So many things I wanted to try, I didn't get to. So I spent this time to, you know, explore. Mm. Uh, so uh, at that point of time, that's when, uh, you know, I was not restricted by lack of sleep and stuff like that. I wasn't doing 24-hour shifts anymore. So now uh, I was able to train harder, train longer, train more days. And I started training like on well, some days I'll be training two times and you know start doing more cardio and then uh, wrestling training also kicked in at that point of time so like I was working on agility and other stuff like that. Mm. So uh, when it came to the show day I realized that my category was my my category itself was very competitive. This year I was uh, a middleweight now finally so I was like in the below 85 kg mm. category but I weigh in just at 80.5 so mm. I was like the smallest guy in my category. Wow. So there's Shaifu Hak again, yes. the guy who beat me in uh, 2012. Yep. And then there's this other good friend of mine who also uh, started competing around the same time. Mm -hmm. His name is uh, Shah. Yes, Shah. So uh, Shah had... Uh, Shah Kabbal. Yeah, correct. Yes. Was, so I you know he, he gained a lot of size that year. His upper body was really good. So uh, I was thinking like, okay, if, if I win this category, then I can quite likely win a Mr. Singapore. Mm -hmm. But the, the chances of winning this category, I, I need to see. Mm. But I knew that I was the driest, most conditioned guy in my category, and but the smallest. Mm. But at the same time, I knew that I was the most balanced as well. Like, mm. I, very few weak points compared to the rest. Mm. So I just went out there, did my thing, but up till the last second, uh, it came down between me and Shaiful. So even up till they announced the result, I, was, I wasn't sure if I had won it. Mm -hmm. But when they announced it, I knew that uh, I was most probably going to win in Singapore. How was the feeling when they announced your name? Mr. Singapore! Danny Dharma! How was the feeling, bro? It was like that, uh, like something very heavy was lifted off my chest for wow. like, suddenly, at the point of time, because I wanted to win that title for a long time, mm. for several years, since they had it in 2006. Mm. But 2006 was like a faraway dream. Then as the years passed, it was more like something that could be done, but you know, I just just got aged out mm. by a little. So finally, I did it that year. Wow, wow, wow. It must have been so sweet, uh, bro. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, right, uh, when I went for the overalls, once again, I realised that actually it was very, very competitive. Mm -hmm. that, that year, a lot of good guys showed up. Yeah. So notably, there was uh, Nazaruddin Hamza. Yes, Nazaruddin was there. And uh, Brock was there. Yes. You know? um, and there was the, the welterweight winner, the lightweight winner, there was Saibil was there as well. Yes. These, these are all very top tier guys. They have mm -hmm. like gone regional shows and done very well. Yep. So once again, I actually found myself in, in the mix and, mm. and all these guys were also very conditioned. Mm. So I, I think it was very, very close between me, Brock and Nazaruddin. Mm. So just just very lucky I aged it out there wow. and managed to win it. Wow. Incredible bro, incredible. And tell us about the regional show bro, right? So you got to represent Singapore, right? I think it was the next year? Yeah, that was the following year. That's yeah. the following year, yeah, right? Asian Championship. Asian Championship. Tell us about that, bro. You know, having the, the, the pressure, the, you know, the ability to raise your flag and compete uh, uh, in the region. How was that like for you? Okay, so uh, I was very happy that I competed that year because uh, it was a very competitive championship because there was cash prizes. So, like, uh, the winner of the men's open actually got uh, 10,000 USD. Wow. Yeah. So there were cash prizes, so the top guys from the region all came down to compete. Mm. So actually that year, right, it was actually the Singapore Nationals. 
but they concurrently organized an Asian Championship. Mm. So the Asian Championship is the one that had the cash prizes. Mm. So when I uh, when I went to compete, I realized that oh, the guys were all really good. Mm. They were all the the standard was very high. We were all very close. It was no one was like standing out. Mm. So uh, so we had a pre-judging in the finals. So on the pre-judging day, I realized that around uh, well, everyone was good. Everyone was dry. Everyone was in condition. So I was thinking I needed to change my strategy. I was actually trying to fill out and and do do more carbo loading, fill mm. out and come in a little bigger. Then I realized that. I needed to focus on getting drier instead because everyone was very dry. Mm. So the next morning I showed up, everyone was one notch drier than the day before. And I, was, I was just shocked. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to compete with these guys? But I mean, I was also as dry as them. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's so close, then oh, you don't even know how well you can do. I yeah. could have won, I could even be not even in the top. Then that, that's how good everyone looked. So uh, we went for the competition and because I was Focusing on getting drier, I was suffering from a lot of cramps. I couldn't hold my poses properly, mm. especially my midsection. Uh, so I, I think it was very, very close between me and the second place. Mm. Uh, the second place, this guy from Indonesia, his name is uh, Fani Fuadi. And he actually turned pro in one of the subsequent shows after that. Mm. Uh, so he's one of the guys who was mentioning that, uh, who I've uh, beaten them, but they turned pro later. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. And that feeling, how was that, man? You know, when they announced your name, you know, against these top, top level guys, you know, how was that winning feeling, brother? Yeah, it, this was quite interesting as well because when I when I first started training at 15, 16 years old, right, I, I did sometimes imagine myself like like going to the sea games and yep. winning and raising the flag. Like it was it was just like a subconscious dream. Mm. I mean, of course, the later part, that was something I really wanted to do, like win a gold medal for Singapore, the Singapore flag. Like I see all the athletes on TV, like, from other sports doing it, I, I thought I could do that for Singapore bodybuilding as well. So the moment they announced, I was at first I was shocked. I couldn't believe that I was the one who won. Because when they are calling out the top uh, top five guys, there was still like three, the the seven, eight, and nine place guys were still standing there. And, and they were all so good, they could have won it also. So I, I was like not really thinking I was the one who's gonna win. So when they announced my name, I walked forward, like, wow, okay. You no, know, then I suddenly started having like a, a salvo of cramps, like abs cramp, my legs cramp, yes, like, yes, yes. to adjust myself. But then, the moment of time when uh, the guy put the flag on my shoulders, yeah. I was like, wow, this is it, man, I'm, I'm here already, I made it. Finally, I'm, I'm going to raise the flag with the gold medal, and this for Singapore. Wow, wow. Uh, so, like, I almost felt like I blanked out for a second. The, the moment was finally there. Wow. All that sacrifice, sweat, you know, food, everything was worth it, bro. They all come here to the event, huh? The interesting part was, like, just five days before that, it was Deepavali. Wow, really? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was trying on my Facebook, lah, saying that, okay, you know, I'm uh, not going to go for Diwali visiting, because uh, it's one of the crucial days of my prep. Yeah. And there were even people who came and started making negative comments, like, why why waste your time doing all this, just spending with your family, that's hot. Uh, uh, uh. It was the biggest event of your life, bro. Right, literally the biggest competition and everything. So incredible. At that point of time. Yeah, yeah, at that point of time, for sure, for sure. Dude, so can I ask you, mm. when you are with all these champions from around the world, mm. right, literally regional champions, can you tell me what is some common characteristics that you see amongst all of them? And like, you know, what is the mindset? What are these people like, bro? What I would say they all had in common, they are humility. humility. They are all very, very humble. Like, uh, like, like the guys from Indonesia and stuff like they are not very well versed in English but mm. you know I, I could speak a bit of Malay so you know we were talking and they all had so much respect for each other mm. like funny for Adi the guy in second place mm. he was telling me something like you know you, you definitely are going to win today you know that, that sort of thing was like 
so much of mutual respect, so much of camaraderie. You know, you, you, when you see guys like us in the street, a lot of people just assume that, you know, we are all arrogant, angsty people. Actually, it's mm. not true at all. Mm. In fact, most people who bodybuild, they, they have a story, they have a reason why uh, they chose to, they chose that part. A lot of them have actually got beaten down a lot and they know what it's like to be the outsider, they know what it's like to be a reject. So, uh, you will find that in the pool of bodybuilders, there's going to be a handful of guys who are very arrogant, but, you know, the, the good part, most of them are actually very humble, quiet people. I mean, look at the bodybuilders going out in the streets. How often do you see a bodybuilder like wearing like sleeveless and all that? Most of us are just wearing big shirts, just wearing long sleeves, just covering up. Mm. Just trying to blend in. You don't mm. want to show off. That, that's really who bodybuilders are. Okay. People should... Uh, I wish people stop misunderstanding us and uh, making assumptions about us. Incredible, bro. Hey, dude, and tell, tell us, bro. So, obviously, you know, you don't look normal, mm. right? You are, uh, you know, you are bigger than normal, obviously, right? Like, what are some, uh, you know, tell us some stories, bro, of how, you know, you have been, you know, looked at differently or how you've been uh, stereotyped, for example. Share with us some, some things that you've actually been through. Okay, like, these, these kind of things are very uh, common. Sure. Uh, I would say sometimes when you're in public, right, uh, you know, sometimes you just want to have your private time, you just want to go for a meal with your family or friends. But some people, are, they are going to intrude into your space and, like, you know, they're just, they're just going to walk up to you and just ask you like, okay, uh, what do you do to look this way? I mean, like, I don't fully mind that, but sometimes, you know, I'll like give like a, a short answer, but not, uh, how should I put it? I'll give a short answer, but something like, you know, that, that should be enough for the person to get on with it. But, mm. you know, they will like stand there and like start asking more questions. Mm. And, like, they don't realize they are taking away from someone's personal time. Interesting. But when that, that's still okay, I, I think one of the things I experience is a lot of, uh, a lot of intrusion into my personal space. Uh. Like, a lot of guys out there think it's okay to just walk up to a guy who works out and then start touching their arms and all that. Uh. Uh, I mean, technically, if you look at the law, it is more or less. You, you don't just walk up to someone and touch them, it's more or uh. less. Uh. And, but I feel like uh, a lot of guys just don't understand it. Uh. Like, because they're not the ones getting touched. Yeah, they're yeah, touching yeah. other people, so they don't realize it. But when you're the one being touched, it just feels very good. When okay. A random stranger comes and start touching you, you feel like, you, know, you feel like, like a slimy frog has landed on you and you want to go and shower. <laughs> just, just doesn't feel okay. Sure, sure, sure. So on my part, you know, I, I don't want to overreact as well. But yeah, at the same okay. time, I feel like uh, it's necessary to create awareness. Mm. So like, you know, the last few times when someone did that, I just said, hey, uh, what you're doing is actually considered molest. Mm. Not, it's not right. Mm. You know, something like that. Just, just doing my part. But isn't it, okay, like in your perspective, right? Mm. Isn't it also like part of the bodybuilders? Like you want to look good, right? Like you go out in public, you want to look different, you want to look good and everything. It's also part of the, the uh, psyche of bodybuilder, would you say? Um, okay, when, when it first started for me, yes, I, I really wanted to look good. I wanted to stop being the reject. I wanted to stop getting beaten up and stuff. So the look was very important mm. at that point of time. But as I grew older, I realized that you know, the looks are just superficial. Mm. That's something I can I can just hide. Just mm. wear long sleeve and stuff. I don't need to be showing my arms all the time. You know, mm. I'm okay with it. Mm. Uh, Bro, what are some of the biggest uh, challenges that you faced mm. uh, in uh, bodybuilding, in your fitness, or maybe in your entire life, bro? What was the biggest challenge, setback, for example, that you know really knocked you down? Maybe caused you to think of giving up? You know, anything of that sort that you actually have? Mm. Actually, for the longest time, I, I never had any. Uh, Nothing really made me want to give up mm. sport. I'll say, uh, as the years passed, uh, Singapore has gotten more and more expensive. So, like, 
finances has been one thing that that uh, something I really have to think twice about. Cause you know, I'm an adult person. I got my bills to pay and stuff, right? I have other important things to pay. So sometimes I got to like, okay, maybe don't buy my protein for a month or something, you know, just to just to try to make it work. Wow, incredible! As in, it's true, man. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it's not not very very cheap as well, right? It's expensive. All right, so you know, uh, Danny, so you're no stranger stranger to injury, right? What's one of the you know, and a lot of people use their injuries as a excuse with regards to why I shouldn't train, hmm. right? Tell us about what was your most serious one, and how do you overcome it, or what do you are you training through it? Tell us about that. Okay, I will not say this is my most serious injury, but I think it's very important that I share this because a lot of people won't believe me unless I actually share it. Okay, uh, actually since I was 19 years old, I have a double herniated disc and I actually got it during my, my BMT training. What, what is that double herniated disc? Okay, so, uh, it's like the disc in my spine, in my uh, L4 and L5, they are sort of, um, you know, they are like damaged. So actually I got it from a fall because back in those days we were uh, doing our BMT training, we had this thing called the SOC. I mean, they still have it today, but uh, back in my time, the, there were much more implements, it was much tougher. So, you know, we're having a full battle order, bag full of stuff, rifle, then I'm climbing a rope. So, you know, I was trying to finish that that uh, race first. So, I let the rope go too early and I landed on my feet. But, you know, you land so hard with so many things on your body, uh, injured by this. Of course, I'm, I'm not blaming the SAF for this because it was my, my own self being careless. Yeah, so, you know, I, I didn't like claim for that or anything. But, you know, an injury like this, right, it takes time to manifest. So upon injury, you know, I was still okay. It hurt a little, but I was okay. I finished that race first also that day. But uh, subsequently over the next two years, I started to experience a lot of uh, low back pain. Low back pain that travelled downwards. And, you know, sometimes you have pins and needles on your legs. No shit. And we're talking about pain like uh, level 9 out of 10 pain. Wow. Like all the time. And, uh, you know, so people might be looking at like, you know, the kind of weights I'm lifting, the squats I did this, I'm doing, and they'll be surprised like, you know, do you really have an injury like that? Actually, uh, it's true. I, I do have that injury. I still have it. It's just that over the years, I've learned how to manage it correctly. I think it's very important that I share this because many people have injuries like this and they're not training because of that. And they don't realize that it can be fixed. So, uh, on my end, what happened was, uh, so I, I went to get it checked, I went to do an MRI scan and that's how they found out I had a... Uh, double headed this. Uh, this was like two years after the injury. So what happens is that uh, when the disc is in that state, right, uh, your the nerves around that joint is going to get triggered. And because of that, the muscles around that joint are going to get tight, you know, in an attempt to try to stabilize the muscle. So you always feel like you're having joint pains, but the pains are actually really just caused by tight muscles. So uh, I started to do their rehab program, which was prescribed to me by the hospital. Just very simple stuff, like, you know, lying down, Raise one hand, raise one leg, you know, a few sets of exercises. And slowly, once I got better, I started to lift weights, but very light. So I do very light deadlifts, very light squats. Then I start adding on to that. So over time, the muscles around my spine have gotten thicker and stronger. Then it doesn't feel like I've connected this anymore. But of course, from time to time, the muscles get tight. And wait, sometimes, you know, the nerve gets triggered, the muscles all get tight. So I have a very specific stretching routine. So I will, it takes me about maybe 15 to 20 minutes. I, I do the foam roller there, I stretch. I stretch my muscles in a very specific sequence. And once I'm done, 80% of the pain at least is gone. Sometimes I'm totally fine after that. And I can continue, I can still do my squats, I can still do my deadlift. So I think uh, this injury that I got was a blessing, was more of a blessing than anything else. Because of the injury, I learned to take care of myself. I learned to fix myself and also fix others.
So I think this is very important people need to know. Your low back pain should not be the reason why you don't train. Fix it and continue with your life. No, you know, I think what you say is very, very important, right? Because, you know, I recently met a friend who was like, uh, you know, out of shape. Uh, her reason was I had this injury on my hand mm. and then I had this back injury mm. and now I just like everything I do is painful mm. so I cannot go to the gym because it's painful mm. so I became fat. Mm. Do you think that's an excuse or can the person correct it and get better? Okay, I wouldn't say it's an excuse. Okay. Because you see, when I first started getting all these injuries, I was under the impression that uh, the only way I can get better is to rest. And what I didn't realize is that sport massage therapy and physiotherapies are available in Singapore. And it's not as expensive as people think. And also, in a lot of cases, right, some people, they go for one session and they expect a two-year-long injury to be uh, fixed in one session. Mm. It cannot be done. Mm. The one session is just a, it's like a initializing the repair. That means they release the muscle and stuff mm. and then they will tell you to do something maybe for the next one, like, okay, every two days you need to do this exercise mm. or come back for another session to follow up, mm. you know. You, ha you have to follow through the whole program then you'll mm. be completely fixed. So a lot of people are not, are not like that. They go for one session and it doesn't completely fix them. Then like, oh, okay, it didn't work. I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm. So that's the problem. They, they don't understand their injury. They don't understand that uh, you cannot undo a long period of damage in a very short time. Yeah, exactly. You can't undo uh, 10 years of eating eating like crap mm. with uh, one chicken breast meal. <laughs> right. I mean, I can, I can uh, tell you, look at uh, the past generation of bodybuilders. Like now I'm 37. The guys who are 45, 50 at this point of time, you see, a lot of them stop training because, uh, or a lot of them stop training or they stop training legs because of back and knee problems. Mm. But then, you know, in a lot of cases, right, I feel like they just didn't understand their injury. They think that their joints are worn out, so they don't train anymore. But in a lot of cases, joint pains are not caused by joints. They are caused by imbalanced muscles, pulling at the joints and preventing the joints from working correctly. Interesting. So, like, uh, now sports science has become a lot more, sports science knowledge has become a lot more available and advanced. So the bodybuilders of today, the athletes of today generally, they know how to you know, go for a therapy or do the right kind of uh, treatment, self-therapy and get better. Armstrong, tell us a bit about Armstrong, right? Yeah, wanna, yeah? Project Armstrong, I've been working at uh, this uh, place as a part-time, uh, Project Armstrong. So they actually do sport massage therapy. And uh, over there, that's one of the, the owner over there, Alan, he's the one guy who, you know, he has taught me so much about how to take care of myself when I get injured. Yes, I'm telling you, Project Armstrong, I highly recommend it. If you have any injuries, any any issues with your anything at all, go and look for them. Dude will fix you up. I'm telling you, highly recommend it. This guy, a champion, very, very good guy. Danny recommends him as well, yeah? yeah and, the, and the thing is, uh, the thing I like about therapists who are also athletes. So, uh, Alan, like, the, athlete, uh, the guy yeah. I mentioned, he's actually, he also competed in the Nationals. You know, beat I won me. My, uh, oh, yeah, he was, he was second. Uh, Alan actually was first yes, in yes. that category. Yeah. yeah. So you know the, the the way he fixes people, right? You know he's not like, okay, your back pain, I'm going to massage your back. You know he he does a range of motion checks, and then he figures out what is the root cause of your problem. Then you know he solves it step by step, so that uh the the way he treats people is to resolve the issue for good. It's not about just relieving pain. It's not symptomatic treatment. If you go to a regular massage place, that's what they are going to do. They're going to do symptomatic treatment. That means if your low back hurts, they're going to say, okay, I'll massage your low back. You'll feel better after that, but you know, the pain is going to come back because the root cause is not addressed. Mm. So, for example, I'm just using lower back, for example, because a lot of people have it. 
Uh, in most cases, right, low back issues are caused by weak glutes or weak hamstrings mm. or overly tight glutes and hamstrings. Mm. So, uh, someone like Alan is going to figure out if that is the problem, he's going to fix that. Or Great. tell you how to fix it over a period of time. Because okay, sure. uh, some of these things cannot be fixed. Though, right? If you need yeah. to strengthen a muscle, that's going to take three, four weeks. Then you have to do the training. Because this, this information is so damn important. There's so many of you out there suffering from pain for years and years, chronic pain. And again, your back pain is sometimes not just your back, right? Like exactly what he said. So it's very, very important to get to the root. And guys, you know, one thing I appreciate about Danny, right? Besides being a bodybuilder, he's a scientist. You know, as in, he's a very, very good in his science and he knows the root causes of everything, right? And you know, when I train with Danny, the incredible thing is how that one degree of movement, how that one angle, for example, can completely differently affect your muscle groups, how it can give you a whole different pump altogether. You know, and that's the, you know, the expertise and the technical details, right? So, you know, I highly recommend, you know, guys, if you're looking for a personal trainer, somebody to get you in shape, you know, Danny, Danny is the man as well. How, how can they contact you, bro? Uh, okay, contact me on Instagram, uh, Danny Dharma, D-A-N-I-D-H-R-M-A, uh, or Facebook as well, that's my name. Yeah, just look him up, uh, right? You can obviously, you know, uh, his, his Instagram is tagged on this video as well. So go and check him out, Danny Dharma on Instagram and Facebook, right? Absolutely incredible athlete, you know, and I'm telling you, he's top notch, right? Guys, I hope you really, really, truly enjoyed today's episode with Danny Dharma at the Modern Wealth Podcast. You know, again, if you're looking for to get yourself fixed, Project Armstrong is the place to be. If you're looking for personal training, make sure you hit up Danny Dharma on Instagram or Facebook. You know, it's going to be life changing for you. I'm very, very, very sure. And again, guys, make sure you click the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel for Modern Wealth Podcast for more amazing guests like Danny. See you on our next episode. Thank you.